Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Mixtape Podcast, the podcast dedicated to discussing film from a screenplay writer's perspective. I'm your host for this week. My name is Marcelo Inestroza, joined as always by my fellow co-host, Dean Stark. And on today's edition of the show, we'll be talking about the 1998... Damn it! Oh! <laughs> Fuck, I almost had it! You, uh, you were so close. You were so God close. Damn it! Okay, guys, I don't deduct guys, points. I, it, points. It was very close. Guys, guys, I just want you to know that I practiced. I, 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 I focused before we record. I, uh, on today's program, we will be on today's program. We'll be talking about the nineteen ninety nine film "Girl Interrupted." So, as we do every week, I will kick it over to Dean so she can take us through this incredible film. Step by step. Girl Interrupted is one of my favorite movies because the writing and the directing, I think, is uh, faultless. I don't, if I have nitpick, no, I don't have nitpicks. I, I literally don't flawless. have any nitpicks. Pardon? Flawless? Do you mean flawless? Flawless. Flawless. flawless faultless. Okay. It's perfect yeah, because, to me. Yeah, because you, yeah, you said, you said, which, and I'm like, is that a word? No. Faultless is a word. Yeah. Is it? Okay. Okay. If it's I, not, I, listen, I, people, whoever's listening on YouTube, if faultless is not a word, please comment below <laughs> and correct me because I'm not 100% sure on that. Maybe I'm just making up words. I don't know. But Girl Interrupted 1999, one of my favorite movies, directed by James Mangold, based on the book Girl Interrupted by Susanna Kaysen. Now, ah, uh, so it's a true story. I want to give a shout out to the composer, Michael Danner. He... The score for this movie is incredible. I love this score. I have the the soundtrack on my Spotify playlist. I just I I adore it. And you know he's done he's done he's done the animated Adams Family, Life of Pi. He did the Time Traveler's Wife. He did Transcendence. Like he did he's done a lot. So he's quite a good composer. So, girl interrupted the opening scene. Winona Ryder, uh, who plays Susanna, is with Angelina Jolie in her arms and uh, who plays Lisa. And there's two other women, one with a half burnt face and another girl with short hair. We don't know who they are yet. And Susanna has a monologue and I'm going to, I'm going to read out several monologues because the writing is so good. I'm not going to paraphrase it. I'm not going to do it justice, but over that scene, over the opening scene, Susanna, who narrates the movie on and off says this, have you ever confused a dream with life or stolen something when you have the cash? Have you ever been blue or thought your train moving was sitting still? Maybe I was just crazy. Maybe it was the 60s or maybe I was just a girl interrupted. So it tells you the time frame, although you'll kind of get that through the movie. And it kind of sets up that this is going to be a full on movie <laughs> just by that. Even though you have no idea what the fuck this opening scene is, I liked it. I thought that it worked. What did you think? First of all, this movie fucking rules. Um, yeah, and you'd never seen it before. The, no, this movie, I'm so happy that I did. The writing, flawless, moi, acting, so great. Um, I really loved the opening sequence of this film because I really love how it gave you no explanations and it just throwed you into a situation and it expected you to go with it. Also, Dean will tell you, I do not like, I do not like voiceover at all. Mm. I'm not, I am not 
a fan of voiceovers in films or TV, unless it's really, really good. And this is one of those situations where the voiceover is really, really thoughtful and it is really, really insightful. And I also like how it ends with, unless I'm a girl interrupted, I really, really like when writers put in the put in the titles, yeah. put in the titles of their movies. I, I, I just got, I just got a kick out of that. So I loved that aspect to it all. Also, mm. I picked this movie to watch Angelina Jolie. I had no idea that Winona Ryder was in this movie. What? So, yeah. <laughs> so, did you get so, a surprise when you saw so, Whoopi Goldberg too? <laughs> he, no shit. When. Um, so when Winona Ryder popped up, I was like, holy shit, it's Delia. No fucking way. Oh, Delia dates from Beetlejuice, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. This might be my favorite Winona Ryder performance ever. The way that she plays this character mm. is so understated, mm-hmm. but so well, and the emotion on her face and the things that she goes through and her emotional journey as she tries to figure out why she feels the way she feels is just fucking outstanding. Yep. Yeah. She really pulled out something else for this. I mean, she was always good, oh, yeah. but she always she pulled out oh, something yeah. else for this fucking role. Yeah, she pulled it. So the first, the official first scene is Susanna Winona Ryder. She's on a gurney. There's doctors rushing around her. She's sweating. She's strapped down. One of the doctors unloops her her um, wrist strap, and there's 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 um, bruises there. And he says it looks like a wrist banger. Is that why you did this? So just in that dialogue, is that why you did this? You realize, oh, she's done something to herself. She's tried to hurt herself. She's she's which is why she's strapped down. Um, they're trying to put something in it, like a breathing tube. Like it's just like it's a full on scene. Like you go straight into it. It's not like she's like casually wheeled into the hospital. There's like close ups. You can see the fucking sweat on Winona's brow, and it's just like, whoa, that's a lot. Yeah. So, but it, yeah. it has to be has to be because of where the movie goes. So, what did you think? I thought the true opening of this film was fantastic because, like Dean just said, it puts you right into the thickets. It puts you right into what Winona Ryder's character in this movie mm. is going through. Um, she's on a gurney. She's strapped down. She has a she has a, a, a tube stuck down her, her mouth. So it's pretty clear to me that they're pumping her stomach because clearly she took something. So I yeah. I absolutely love I absolutely love the way that James Mangold directs this. He gets right in he gets right in close to Winona's rider's face. You can see the sweat on this young woman's face. And also, I love the way that Winona Ryder plays it. When when she tells the nurse that uh that 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 um you shouldn't like remove my straps because my bones are aren't there, they're broken or something. I'm like, that is really that sounds like something that sounds like somebody who is intoxicated would say because that sounds absolutely bonkers. Yeah. And you and you wouldn't say that unless you were under the influence of something. Yeah. At you know, at, at the point in time, but I absolutely loved the true opening to this film. Uh the the second scene she's in a psychology session and the the psychologist actually brings up like okay, when you were in the hospital you were saying you had no bones in your wrist, like what what happened? And she's like, well, yeah, they grew back. 
Like, and you can you can tell that she kind of doesn't want to admit that she said that. It's 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 a precursor for her being in denial this entire movie uh, until she has that beautiful um, arc at the end. So she starts talking about really random things like how you know she's not able to control time how when something goes up it may not come down like just random shit and the psychologist is just like oh okay she's not intoxicated it's just her mind is scattered and she doesn't she she's not on drugs or anything but it's just like her mind is just going a million miles an hour kind of maybe like someone adhd but not exhibiting physical symptoms it's just all the shit she's saying is just weird and then we kind of we go into a memory and she's at uh, her mum's party and all her mum's friends are there and we realise that she's 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 had an affair with one of her mum's friend's husbands. So she really doesn't know who she is. She doesn't kind of know right from wrong. She doesn't have like that red line that she won't cross. Like she's just kind of, she's just kind of all over the place. And the psychologist says, four days ago, you chased a bottle of aspirin with a bottle of vodka. So now we know what happened. And then she said, oh, I had a headache complete denial and the whole movie she's just like I didn't do this to myself like I had a headache I wanted it to go away like just the whole movie is just about denial he says he wants to send her to a place called Claymore which is a psychiatric facility she doesn't want to go he says her parents want her to go even though she's she's over 18 in the movie I think she's supposed to be like 22 so she reluctantly kind of agrees and the psychologist says, oh, there's a car out, there's a cab out front. And she's like, but my mom's there in the car. And he's like, oh, you know, it's best if you catch a cab. So right there, you know that her mom doesn't want to deal with it, does not want to deal with her child having tried to commit suicide, nothing, just wants her to go to the facility, get better, come back and just be like fucking normal. So you could see the parents kind of have a little bit of explaining to do about it. And it's funny because she gets into the cab and her suitcase is already packed. Her parents have already packed her suitcase. Like, and it's just, and she just looks at the suitcase like, oh my God, like she has no choice in anything. She has no choice. She just does what they say. And they kind of, they kind of force her to go. And once she arrives at the facility, Valerie, played by Whoopi Goldberg, meets her at the front, who is the head of the woman's ward. And then, and then we go into the next scene, which is her showing her around. But that was a big scene that set up everything. I just want to say I fucking hate her parents. Her parents Oof. don't deserve to be parents. They get worse. Because her parents, <laughs> her, yes, they do. Her parents fucking suck. If my child ever goes through something like that, I'm going to stay with my child and I'm going to support my child as much as I can. I am going to stick by my child until come hell or high water. Yeah. But also I do want to address that uh, because of the time period that this movie is in, Mm. I thought it was very, very ill-advised for Winona Ryder's character to admit all those things to that doctor Mm. because back then when they thought things were wrong with women, Mm. they didn't try to solve anything. What they did was exactly what they did to Winona Ryder. They put her away and they doped her up on pills. Yep. The other thing that I really loved is I love that Winona Ryder's character is saying these sort of upside down things. I love how Dean said that she's scatterbrained because she is. She doesn't really understand who she is. And because of that, she's going to put herself in a situation that is going to take uh, a portion of her life away mm-hmm. and is going to make her understand why she is the way that she is. The problem is she's going to have to go through hell 
and come back before she can get to that. Exactly, exactly. So the next scene is kind of uh, short. It's Susanna and she's at the facility and she has to she has to sign herself in because she's of age. She's twenty two, so it's 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 her choice whether she wants to be there or not. So she's signing herself in and she's looking at the paperwork and she sees her doctor's notes that says attempted suicide. And she says, I didn't try to kill myself. Again, there's the denial. And the person just says, look, you just save that for the psychologist. But I thought that that was another good scene just to push forward, just to push forward that she legitimately does not think she's done anything wrong. She doesn't know why she's there. She thinks she's going to be there for like a couple of weeks and then she's going to leave and then everything's going to be totally fine. But I like that scene, short but sweet. Um, that scene, that scene is great because again, it doubles down on the fact that uh, Susanna, that's her name, right? Yep. Yes. Uh, it, it doubles down on the fact that Susanna is in the stage of denial and she doesn't believe that what she's done is a bad thing. And also it really shows us how absent her parents are because while she's trying to fill out the papers, there's a section where the parent is supposed to sign mm. and she stops. He stops for a minute. She looks up at the lady that's doing the intake and she's like, Oh, you're of age. You can sign it. Yes. Right. Yes. yes. But also, but also she goes into this whole spiel and the lady at the front says, Oh guys, we don't talk about that here. So, so in, in a way it's like the people that are there to help you, don't want to help you mm. in, in, in some mm-hmm. in, in some weird way. Oh, and also I love the fact that when Whoopi Goldberg is introduced in this movie, mm. she doesn't talk for the mm. first two scenes. Yeah. She's just there. Yeah. But it's like she has this she has this look about her. She she looks like a mean nurse ratchet yes. kind of a character. Yes, she does. <laughs> but 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 what she turns out to be is so far away from that mm. that I really love the way that Whoopi played it. Uh, oh, yeah. play, played uh, her first two scenes in this movie because that gave me uh, that gave me a uh, that gave me a picture of a type of character that I didn't get, and I'm so happy with what I did get eventually. Yeah. So Valerie Whoopi Goldberg is uh, showing Susanna the ward, and Susanna walks past the door, and we get a glimpse of Daisy, and she's in her room, and she just slams the door. So you can see she doesn't want anything to do with anybody, anything, very angry, just by that kind of one shot. Daisy will obviously, she's a pivotal part of the movie. She'll come into it. She'll come back into it later. And then we meet Polly. Now, Polly has a half-burnt face and she's really sweet. She's really young. She's played by a very young Elizabeth Moss. And if you don't know who she is. No way. Yeah. She's from Handmaid's get Tale, the, Invisible oh, Man. Get She's the amazing. Get the fuck out of here. Mad Men, everything. Yeah, that's Elizabeth Moss. No Moss. way. <laughs> so we meet we meet Polly, and she she's she's sitting in front of a cabinet that has instruments. Oh, what's it's like a it's like a cage, and the instruments are behind that. And she's like, I feel very musical today. And Valerie's like, Yeah, not today. And the orderlies kind of like escort her out of the room. So we know that she likes music. And I mean, the reason why Valerie doesn't let her play an instrument, I mean, who fucking knows? We don't totally get the whole story about Polly. I kind of wish that we did. So now we meet Georgina, which is Susanna's new roommate. And she seems totally normal. She's played by Clea Duval. Uh, Clea Duval is excellent. She's in a lot of stuff. She's in um, one of my favorite movies, but I'm a cheerleader. <laughs> she's in that one. No. Oh, my God. <laughs> she's, God in, guys. she's in Poker Face as well with uh, Natasha Leon. What? I, I cannot believe how much this movie is blowing my mind. But off you go. 
yeah, so we meet Georgina. She seems kind of normal until we find out kind of why she's in there. Although I don't think that she should be in a psychiatric facility for what she actually has, like kind of mentally. I don't know. We'll get to well, we're gonna get to it. So then we meet Lisa, which is played by Angelina Jolie. And the first thing we see of her, she's put, being pulled out of a police car handcuffed and she's resisting. So we can see she's violent. We can she, we can see she's broken the law. We can see she's kind of escaped. Lisa comes into the ward with the police and she's disruptive. She, she spots Susanna and she has a fit. Where's Jamie? Where's Jamie? And she starts, the two orderlies have to hold her. One has to hold her feet. The other one has to hold her shoulders because she's jumping up and down, like acting crazy. And you're just like, oh my God, this person's a nut job. Like, don't like instantly do fuck it. Do not go near Lisa. So she gets away from the orderlies and she runs to Susanna, like pushes her into a corner and aggressively demands where to, where Jamie is. And Susanna does not fucking know. She goes, I don't know who Jamie is. And she's fucking scared. And Valerie bursts in. Lisa asks, how did she do it? So we know that there was a person there named Jamie, Lisa's friend, and we know that she's committed suicide while Lisa was out doing whatever she was doing. The orderlies come in, restrain Lisa. She's violent and aggressive and intimidating. Polly tells Polly comes in and tells Susanna Jamie was Lisa's best friend, but she was sad when Lisa went away, so she hung herself with a uh, volleyball net, I think she said it was. So that scene was beautiful. It introduced all the main characters that we need to know very succinctly, very, very um, uh, beautifully. We got to know a little bit about each of the characters moving forward. So I thought that scene was great. Yeah, no, that, no, that scene from a screenplay writing perspective, from a directing perspective, checked all the right boxes because like Dean just said, you learned a little bit about uh, our supporting cast, some of the people that we're going to deal with throughout the course of this film. And also you met um, Lisa, the, the, uh, the, 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 uh, the shit kicker in, uh, in this film played by the lovely Angelina Jolie. I just want to say um, I hated her for most of this movie until we get <laughs> to a certain point. So no, well, check this out. Until until we get to a certain point where I actually felt bad for her. But mm-hmm. it it took like half the movie for me to get there because the other half I was like, you're just a fucking I hate this woman. You're a bitch. So much. She's a bitch. You know, you, thank you. Thank you. She is a bitch. She's a bitch. And that is a credit. That is a that is a tremendous credit to the fantastic job that Angelina Jolie did playing this character and she also did a fantastic job playing off of the lovely Winona Ryder oh, yeah. as well. Yeah. I think she won an Academy Award, Angelina Jolie, for this role. Don't quote me on that. The next scene, uh, Susanna is watching TV and there's names that get started calling out for medication and Susanna's name is called and she doesn't, she goes up and she goes, what is it? And they're like, oh, they're sleeping pills. And she goes, well, I don't need sleeping pills. And the nurse is kind of like you have you like you have to take them you have you have no choice you know what i really like about this place mm. i well well like about it in a in a in a in a not like about it way yeah i love how they said it's voluntary but once you sign the fucking papers they have you forever i'm like is that necessarily fair yeah yeah 
So they're giving everyone sleeping pills and they have to take them. They have no choice. And that's just a bit like, fuck. So she walks uh, down the hallway back to her room slowly. And I love this shot that he uses because you can see her walking back and there's no dialogue, but she's by herself and you can see her brain ticking and you can tell she thinks she doesn't belong there. She's like, fuck, what am I doing here? Like you just... I felt really bad for her because she just felt so alone. Like she's she's in this facility. She doesn't want to be here. She's being forced to take medication. She's with all these crazy people. Like, but she, but again, she doesn't feel like she did anything wrong. Not that that warrants to be in a psychiatric ward, but just in that no. shot that he uses, I just felt bad for her. No, but you know what the the shot that James Mangold uses makes her look like a girl in a box that doesn't fit. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's what it is. Yep, and um. You know, and and the way that Winona Ryder plays it and the way that she just sort of, like Dean said, walks down the hallway mm-hmm. and you could see, you could see it in her eyes, how her, her, her brain's thinking and twisting. You're like, she's, she's possibly thinking, oh fuck, how the hell am I going to get out of here? Yeah. And also, I, and also, I think at that moment she might be thinking that, oh fuck, I've put myself in a place that is not going to be that easy to get out of. Uh, yeah, especially if they drug you. <laughs> yeah. Susanna is in bed and she's across from Georgina on the other side of the room. And she says, why is Polly's face half burnt? And now Georgina goes into the story. Now, I didn't write the story down. Do you remember what the story was? Yes, I do. Go and also I would like to – also before that, I just want to mention, do you know how long it took me to realize that um, that um, Elizabeth Moss's face was half burnt? Really? <laughs> I don't know what I was doing when they were first introduced there, uh, when, when Whoopi was doing the tour. Now, I told you, when you review movies, you can't be fiddling with yourself, okay? You have to watch no, the I, movie because clearly you were touching yourself while you were watching this movie, okay? She had Haley it, Bob, it's clearly half burnt, okay? Haley Bob, Haley Bob, I was not touching myself, okay? <laughs> and And for me... <laughs> And for look, look, hey, look you look, just look, needed to look, say it. I look, was not, look, I did not have look, sexual relations with that woman. That's what that sounds like. Yeah, it sounds like a lie. Yes, yes. <laughs> and look, look, Haley Bob. For me to say that while Angelina Jolie it was on screen is a bit of a stretch, don't yeah, you yeah, think? Yeah, yeah. So the story that um, the story that Georgina tells Susanna as to why Polly's face is burnt is because when Polly was either a little child or a toddler, uh, she, for some reason, got a bunch of matches and decided to burn her dog when her mother told her that something was wrong with the dog. Mm. And while she was burning the dog, she lit the match on fire and she was too close to the dog. So that's how her face got half burnt off. Then Susanna, and this is the bit, Susanna asks Georgina, well, why are you in here like you seem normal? And then Georgina says, I'm a pathological liar. So basically that whole story she just said was bullshit. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But also, but, but, but also, also pathological liar should not be in mental institutions. That's what I mean. That's what I was, that's what I mean about Georgina. Like, why is she in a mental institution? Like Polly, Polly doesn't act crazy. She doesn't act like she should be there. They put her there because she's got a half-burnt face and they probably don't want people to look at her. That's that's why that she's in there, I think. People back then 
they didn't want to solve any problems. They just wanted to put fucking band-aids on issues. And anybody who misconformed or anybody who didn't fit their fucking idea of acceptable for society, they would lock up and never think of again. Yes. Especially women. And yes, especially women. Thank you very much. That is so fucked up and that is so fucking backwards. I know. So the next scene, uh, it's a flashback scene of Susanna at a party and she meets Toby, played by Jared Leto. You can tell right there just by that scene that she just thinks it's nothing. She just thinks, oh, yeah, what do you think about killing yourself and, like, committing suicide? Like, it's just nonchalant. She doesn't, she'll get it by the end of the movie, but at this point she doesn't really get the gravity of, of, of what she's talking about. So I liked that scene because it did push her character forward a little bit. Yeah, also, also it really shows you how she comes off Mm. to people in society because it did because because i i i think it's a scene that really doubled down on the fact that Susanna is a character that doesn't fit Susanna, the way that she acts and the way that she goes about being in the world doesn't fit Mm. and because she doesn't fit when she has conversations with Jared Leto, because of the time period that we're in, he's worried about being drafted into the fucking army. Yeah. Yeah. So so his mental state right now is nowhere prepared to deal with somebody like Susanna. Yes. Yeah. 100%. So now we're in another psychology session with another psychologist, the, the Claymore's psychologist. And he brings up her attempted suicide. And again, she denies it. I didn't try to kill myself. So she's still in that frame of mind. And see, she says, you know, she shouldn't be here. Her parents put her there. And the psychologist says something very interesting that kind of wakes her up a little bit. And he says, you put yourself here, not them. And she kind of just, I love it too. And she kind of just sits back and listens to that. and, And so we realize I mean, we knew this, but she's starting to realize she does things to please her parents. She's submissive with them. She doesn't make her own choices. And so she says to the psychologist, everyone here is fucking crazy. And he said, well, you want to go home? And she says, same problem. (laughs) So she's here. They're crazy. She's at home. She obviously doesn't like her family. She thinks they're fucking crazy. So it's like, but I like that session because what he said to her, it made her realize, oh, I did put myself here. And she's trying to blame her parent again, again, denying, denying, dying. That's her go-to. Yeah. But here's the thing. I do not like individuals like this because if you have an issue, whatever it is, if you try to hurt yourself or whatever it is, if you, if you do something to yourself, if you make a mistake or if you try to end your life for whatever reason, you have to take responsibility for that Mm. and you have to deal with that. But blaming someone else for your issues is the lowest type of is to me that shows that Susanna is immature right now, that she is sort of sort of incapable of understanding how her decisions impact her position in life. Some people don't want to face it. Some people do not want to face that they're a shit person. They don't. Yeah, but until you face you're yeah, a shit I, person, you can't actually be a good person. Right, 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 right. Um, that's so good. I have nothing else to say. Damn, that's so good. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. So uh, Susanna is in the common room, and she sees Daisy walk out of her room 
with an older man who we can see is her father and she she ha- he hands her something wrapped in tin foil they hug you know no problem there and it's just like oh cuz she never comes out of her room so it's like okay this is weird um her name gets called out Susanna's name gets called out and it's more medication and she said what is this and they said it's a laxative and she goes well I don't need a laxative and they're like are we going to have a problem so that they're not only forcing sleeping tablets on people which is highly addictive and so dangerous even when they don't need it but they're just giving them sleeping tablets so they don't have to deal with them at night that's the only reason it's not for what the patients this? it's for the nurses right and they're giving them laxatives why why are they forcing laxatives what? on people <laughs> why what the fuck is this is this the fucking middle ages i couldn't start, i couldn't believe it i, I was like I was thanking the universe for the time that I was born in. Because if I was born this time, I wouldn't have had a fucking chance. Neither would Dean. No, no. So Susanna gets handed the pills and they hand the pills to Lisa as well. Now, Lisa fake takes the pills and then shows Susanna that she didn't take them. And so Susanna goes, hmm, I'm going to do that. Then she sees Daisy come storming out of her room, pitching a fit. Because she wants the laxatives. She's pitching a fit to Valerie. Where's the laxatives? What? And they're not giving it to her because she's addicted. Because guess what? They addicted her. They got her addicted to laxatives. And now that she's addicted, they're denying her. But that's a whole other fucking issue that we could talk about. We're not going to talk about it, but that's so fucked. And so she's having these screaming matches. She's like, oh, my God, this is fucking bullshit. This is fucking bullshit. Like Daisy, the way that Brittany Murphy plays Daisy is so amazing i mean honestly r.i.p britney murphy you're amazing that's britney murphy get the fuck out of here oh my god i'm awful i'm <laughs> awful i am fucking awful guys i i, I don't you know I, what i don't deserve to, i'm booting you, you know off what? this podcast you don't you're not you don't even deserve to be a co-host on this podcast. from now on folks it's just me so if you want to tune in Marcelo will no longer be participating in the podcast fuck it i quit Moving on, and Susanna sees this, sees Daisy having a fucking shit kick and knocks on Daisy's door. Fuck off (laughs) is what Daisy says. And it's just like she just doesn't want to be fucking disturbed. She just doesn't fuck off. She doesn't even care who it is. She didn't ask to. She just lost. She goes fuck off. And I'm like, damn, she sounds like me. And then and then Susanna says, I have something you want. And then you hear, come in. She goes in, and Daisy's sitting on her bed, and she's kind of she's got a roast chicken that was in the tinfoil that her father gave her, and she's decorating it. And it's like, oh, okay, that's a bit weird, but all right, we are in a fucking psych ward. So. Susanna notices her bag's packed and Daisy says, I'm leaving next month. My dad got me an apartment with an eat-in chicken. And Susanna goes, you made an eat-in kitchen. And Daisy goes, that's what I said, asshole. (laughs) Her dialogue is, (laughs) she's not in the movie a lot, but when she is, Brittany Murphy fucking slays. I mean, she does. But yeah, yeah, but also, also the dialogue in this movie kicks so so much ass. I I, I can't even, so good. I can't even explain it. It's so fucking good. So good. So Lisa barges in and Daisy pitches a fit. She fucking hates Lisa. And Lisa knows this. So Lisa loves to get under Daisy's skin because it's what Lisa does. And then Lisa goes, Why does it stink in here? And you'll find that out in a minute. Lisa reveals that. Daisy never leaves her room, never eats the food there, and is a laxative junkie. So now we know a little bit more about Daisy. Daisy says her dad brings her chicken from um, his deli because it's the only thing she can eat without getting nauseous, which, again, is just fucking weird in and of itself. Lisa, uh, so Susanna goes to give Lisa the 
laxatives because that's what that's what Daisy wants. So she's not going to have them, so she'll give, give, give them to Daisy. Lisa won't let it happen without Daisy giving up her Valium because Daisy doesn't take Valium. She hoards them. So Lisa's like, we'll take the Valium for the laxatives. So Daisy's like, well, f- all right, fine. So they make the switch. Lisa then looks under Daisy's bed and finds several like moldy roast chickens, which is the smell. And then Daisy, who doesn't even get annoyed, she's like, when I get five, Valerie makes me throw them away. She's just totally nonchalant about it. (laughs) But you get to know a little bit more about Daisy. So what do you think? Yeah, um, the whole thing with Daisy, to be honest, is really, really odd and really, really strange. But most of most of the most of the supporting uh, uh, characters in this movie are odd and strange, but her character is really strange because she also mentions in that scene that the reason that she stays in the room all the time is because when she comes into the cafeteria and sees all the other people there, it's like taking a shit in public. And I was like, mm. that's interesting because that tracks but that also it's like a it's like a fear of public speaking yeah mm-hmm. but but to a much uh, but but to a much uh uh darker and deeper disturbing level so yeah. i really really like yeah i really really like that the writers of this movie gave her that intricate backstory and the way that they were and the way that they kind of tied it into uh, almost like a fear of public speaking. I don't yeah. know if they did this intentionally or if it's something that just happened. But anyway, I really love how they did that. And I also, I'm at this point, I was really getting pissed off with Lisa hmm. because I'm like, I'm like, what is your fucking problem? Why are you such a fucking bitch? I mean, I wanted to call her another word, but I didn't. Mm, yeah. Um, uh, but I was like, I, I couldn't stand it. So that's why I was so happy when we got to where we're going, but it takes a while. It does take so a while. I, I spent, I spent half of this movie thinking of ways to kill Lisa. <laughs> yeah. My hate for the character is, is, is the biggest compliment that I can give mm. Angelina Jolie, because if I didn't, because my hate for this character is a prime example of how good she did her job. Yeah, I never hated Lisa. I've seen this movie so many times. Never, I never hated her. I thought that without her, the movie would be boring. I thought she brought so much energy to the movie. Listen, what she did to people in the movie, was it wrong? Yes, but I never hated her because she's, she's mental, right? You can't hate someone yeah, it, that has a loose, a screw loose. Yeah, but yeah, but I, yeah I, underst- I, I understood why she had to loose screw loose. As a, as an audience member, I there's only so much mean characters that I can take, and I think the way that Angelina Jolie the the way that Angelina Jolie played Lisa really got under my skin for a particular reason. Um, in my trivia, I actually have what Angelina thought of her character, and I think I realized that's why I didn't hate it because I agreed with Angelina. But we'll get to that at the end. You'll find that funny. But anyway, okay. let's move on. This is the short scene. I did like it. Lisa reveal because Susanna is saying like Daisy's crazy. Like she's clearly insane. How the hell is she get? How are they releasing her? And Lisa says that the only reason Daisy is getting released is because she's confessed her sins. 
to the psychologist. So basically that's what you need to do, the psychologist. Don't push against them. Tell them everything they want to hear and then you'll get out. And that kind of sparked something in in Susanna. She's like, oh, I've been going about things the wrong way. Now she knows what she needs to do to get the fuck out. Yeah. Well, but also, but also I feel that, you know, you know, I feel that that scene sort of, sort of puts Lisa as, as sort of the rebel of the group, Mm. because at this point, at this point, I was thinking maybe the reason why Lisa is such a bitch and maybe the reason why she has this power over everybody is because she's the alpha male within the ward. Yeah. 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 And also, also, Maybe she's maybe she feels comfortable where she is. Yeah. Maybe she maybe she doesn't want to get out. Yeah. Maybe maybe she thinks that she's maybe she is so comfortable with being broken that if she was actually fixed, she wouldn't know what to do with herself. True. Most people are like that. They like to stay broken. Unfortunately. So and you're bang on about that. So here's another scene that would piss you off. Uh, we're in a psychology session with Susanna and her parents. And her mom is sitting there and she's saying, Oh, oh just was- fuck off. I know. Oh, so just, she's saying she dropped oh. she dropped Susanna when she was a child. Like, is this why she is the way that she is? The father is so submissive and docile, he's not saying anything. The mother oh. is taking no accountability at all what if, for, what for, if- for her parenting skills. And so they're self-centered. Yeah, it's all about them. So they're saying he says that she has that Susanna. The psychologist says that Susanna has borderline personality disorder. Commonly, a parent has to have it in order for the child to have it. So Susanna kind of has a smirk on her face. The mother starts crying and says she can't do this and leaves. The mother can't comprehend that she could have she could possibly have this disease let alone pass it down to her daughter she there's no way because she's in society she's the perfect mother she's the perfect housewife this is not her problem and then instead of sitting there and trying to help her daughter she just fucking leaves because she can't handle that it might be her fault that her daughter's in here so that scene was a great dramatic scene because you knew you, oh. you learned about her parents and you go, Oh, I, I, I get why you, you are the way that you are, but it was fucked. Her mother is fucking self-righteous for her, for, for her to think that she is not responsible for where her daughter is at this point in the story is absolutely egotistical and it's fucking asinine. And I couldn't fucking stand it. It is, it is one of the best scenes in the movie but it's tremendously frustrating because you're like fucking take some accountability either of you yeah but they don't they never do so Susanna's asleep in her um in 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 her room lisa comes in and she tells Susanna, after checks tonight come to the art room so Susanna goes and polly lisa georgina and two other patients are there and they make their way down to the tunnels under the ward and there's like a makeshift bowling alley and the girls let off some steam. They laugh. They have fun. And you can tell Susanna and Lisa are starting to get closer. Uh, it, it happens gradually, and I think it it makes sense that it happens. Like it's not like, oh, they're best friends now. It just there's little things that Lisa does that Susanna does, and they kind of um, form this beautiful friendship. The girls let off some steam. They're bowling. And now they sneak into the psychologist's office and pull their files. And we've, yeah, so I, I'll continue on, but 
tell me tell me what you think about that that scene I thought, you know what? I thought the scene where Lisa went to go and get Susanna and they went to the makeshift bowling alley was great. Well, as I was watching the film, I felt very isolated. Mm. I, I felt like I was in the, I felt like I was in, I, I felt like I was in the situation that Susanna was in. And it was just really, really nice to relax for a couple moments and not be so fucking frustrated yeah. with what Susanna has to go through in this film because listen this movie we've said it already and we're going to probably say it a million times more but this movie is so well written and is so well directed that it it's so great but it's frustrating to watch in mm. a good way yeah and and i really appreciated the moment of calm of watching the girls just for the lack of a better word put up their hair and relax for a little bit yeah so when we're in the psychologist's office, they're all reading their files and, of course, Susanna, borderline personality. They're, they're basically all borderline personality, and except for Lisa, who the psychologist has written she's sociopathic, so she, she's a sociopath. And there we go. That's why she is the way that she is because you kind of can't get a gauge on, like, we know she's violent and, like, not nice, but what is her diagnosis and her di- diagnosis in a, is a sociopath. Now, let me read out the qualities of an actual sociopath just to cement how great the writing is in this movie and that they actually fucking delved deep into that research. So these are some of the characteristics of a sociopath. You tell me if this is Lisa. Lack of remorse, but guilt and empathy may be present in some cases. Some emotions are felt, rage, but are shallow and fleeting. May form close attachments to one or few individuals consistent irresponsibility and repeated violations of the law, constant lying and deception, aggressive and reckless behavior. Is that Lisa or is that not all Lisa? That's Lisa to a T. So the writers have actually done their research into uh, what is a sociopath and what do they do and what what do they don't do? Because Lisa is the epitome of what a sociopath actually is. I mean, another wonderful sociopath is Harley Quinn. Uh, Fun fact, guys, she's actually my favorite sociopath. Your favorite out of who are what other sociopaths? I, um, uh, if you have a favorite, you mean that there's others? <laughs> yeah, isn't well, isn't isn't the Joker technified as a sociopath? He's a psychopath. Oh shit! All right, so I just have one. <laughs> okay, ready to move on? Yeah. Okay, so now they're all being taken out on an excursion in the snow to get ice cream. And Susanna has a really funny line of dialogue. She's like, we're going to get ice cream in a blizzard. It makes you wonder who the real whack jobs are. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was so funny. Such a good line. Such a good line. So Valerie and the nurses are are there to supervise them. They enter the ice cream shop and Susanna spots the wife of the man she had an affair with and freaks out. The woman sees her and confronts her. Well, Susanna's sitting in the booth opposite Lisa and she confronts her. And she says... She hopes she goes away for life. Like, okay, I get it. But like, I mean, it's a lot. But Lisa, and I love this, Lisa tells the lady, uh, this dialogue is so good. She goes, so she gave your husband a rim job. I'm sure he was begging for it. <laughs> and Susanna is like oh, giggling. Oh my God. And, I, and the lady's just like so taken aback. Like she just gets <laughs> shit. Susanna starts laughing. All the other, All the other inmates that are sitting like, at the other booths, they start barking. making like like animal noises and they start laughing they and they bark. start stamping, they start barking. 
and Susanna and Lisa are um they're, they're smirking at this woman and this woman goes oh my god come on let's we gotta go we gotta go and so she leaves and you can tell this has kind of cemented the friendship between Susanna and Lisa this has kind of cemented it like they're friends now because Lisa has done something that only a friend would do she defended her so now they're friends which I like that a lot um this is actually my favorite scene in the film with Lisa in it because I love the fact that she saw what this woman was doing to uh, Winona Ryder's character. And I love the fact that she stood up for her in that moment. And I just, I, I just love that uh, the uh, sociopath stuck up for her friend in this moment. Yeah. I also like when they're getting the ice cream and someone, one of the patients goes, I'll have peppermint. And one of the girls goes, peppermint dick, peppermint clit. <laughs> And she thinks yeah. it's so funny and they all start laughing and Valerie's like, all right, let's just fucking get out of here. <laughs> Moving on. So they're back and they're all in a, like a movement class. When Susanna looks out the window and sees Daisy leaving the facility with her father and Valerie is seeing her off. That was a short scene, but we needed to see that Daisy was leaving yeah. because it's a big deal. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's going to come back. Yeah. So they're all sitting in the common room and Lisa is looking at Polly. Polly is kind of, she's kind of looking under the door in a hallway and Lisa, and this is what Lisa is like. It's like bipolar. She's like, hey, Polly, what are you doing? And Polly's like, nothing. And Lisa goes, why don't you go to do nothing in your room? And then Polly starts crying and running into her room. (laughs) And Lisa smiles. She likes it when she makes people cry. She likes it when she makes people upset. So, yeah. She's also masochistic in that way. Yeah, she is. She is, she is. So Toby, Jared Leto, comes to see Susanna. They go into her room and the nurse is coming in to like do the, the checks just to check in there, just to check everything's all right. And Lisa sees the nurse going into or going to go into Susanna's room and she stops her. She the wheels in front of her and she's just like, she's trying to distract her because she knows Susanna is like doing like the deed in the room with the guy. And again, she's being a friend. She's trying to give Susanna the time and the space before the nurse goes in and kind of disturbs her. So she likes Susanna now. She's kind of attached to Susanna. And like I said, it's one of the things that a sociopathic person does. They can and do have the ability to attach, attach to people. It's just not, the kind of it's not real emotion it's, it's, more not, it's not healthy it's exactly she tries to distract the nurse she gets she grabs her pen she's like take one step further and i'll stab this into my aorta and valerie comes up and she's like yeah, your aorta is not there <laughs> such a good line and angelina's really? like good to know the nurse does the check and like they're in the middle of the, doing the deed and valerie's like yeah you have grounds privileges you can just go outside for a walk do whatever you want outside and they're like okay so this is a really beautiful scene and it pushes the character development of Susanna forward a lot more because Toby has been drafted for the war and he's saying look my dad's giving me money let's go to Canada and he tries to get her to leave and he says you don't belong here you're not crazy and then she says something that she's never she's not said in the entire movie and she says she does belong here because she tried to kill herself and that's the first time she's actually said it that's the first time she's realized, oh, my God, this is actually what I've done to myself. And he just keeps going on. These people are crazy. What the hell? You didn't try to kill. He tries to tell her, you didn't try to kill yourself. And she starts crying saying, I did, I did, I did, I did try to kill myself. And he, she says, if they're crazy, then I am too. She, because now 
at first when she was with the psychologist, she was saying, all these people are fucking crazy. She didn't feel like she belonged, but she judged them. And now that she's gotten to know them, she's basically said, if I'm crazy, they are, if they're crazy, then I am too. Because she sees their souls. She sees them as people. She doesn't see them as crazy because most of them are actually not crazy. There's only one or two that actually do deserve to be in there, but the rest are just normal people. And she could see that. And I love that scene. She's out of denial. She realized she tries to kill herself. And she realized that most of these women are in this facility for no fucking reason. I love that scene as well, because during that scene, I actually stood up and applauded. I was like, oh, thank Christ. The the light is going off above her head. And the reason why I loved it so much is because Susanna acknowledged that she has an issue and that she's there for a reason. And now she is prepared to start to deal with that and to start to find a way to get better so she can get out of there. So that night, Susanna hears screaming in the hallway. And she goes and sees what's going on, and it's Polly. And the orderlies are pulling her out of the music room because we know before she just wants to hear music. She loves music. And they shove her in an isolation room, which is like she wasn't even doing anything. She just wanted to play the guitar, and they're just – I was just so fucking wrong. Anyway, Susanna knows exactly what she wanted, which was the guitar. She loves music. So she goes and she gets the guitar out of the, the cage, and Lisa's with her. And they sit down. Um, they sit down uh, outside the. They can hear her crying. They can hear Polly crying because she doesn't. She's like she looks like fourteen. Like imagine parents sticking their child in that just because her face is half burnt. Like that's crazy. So anyway, she sits outside the room where Polly is with Lisa, and she starts singing a song called "Downtown" by uh, Petulia Clark. It's a great classic song. And she starts playing it on the guitar. And Polly immediately stops crying and Susanna continues. And we can see uh, Polly smiling on the other side, happy. And it's so, it's like tear inducing. It's, it's, it's beautiful that Susanna was like, nope, this is wrong. I'm going to make her happy. And just like singing a few bars of that song made her happy. Now, one of the orderlies comes along, tries to stop it. She then kisses him. He kisses her back because he has a thing for her. Now, the next morning, the next morning is actually quite hilarious because she's fallen asleep in the hallway next to the orderly. They didn't do anything, just fell asleep. Valerie walks in, sees them. Susanna sees Valerie, guns it to her room. I don't know why, because Valerie's already spotted her. As soon as she jumps into her bed, Valerie bursts in and goes, no, nah, I'm sick of this shit. We're not doing this anymore. <laughs> it's just like, uh, you've already been caught. Why are you running to your room for? But fantastic scene because a lot of the scenes are very much Lisa being a bitch, but this scene was very, very... Um, emotion inducing it was very it was a very nice scene no this scene this scene was very triggering for me uh, in a good way because what what polly was being dragged away for was while she was being dragged away and uh before she got put into isolation she was saying that she didn't like her face that she wanted to rip it off or something like that mm-hmm. and i have dealt with not feeling comfortable with the type of individual that I am. I still, I I still deal with it. Uh, uh, you know, you know, every once in a while today. So when I saw that happening to this character in this film, I was like, Holy shit. You know, Mm. 
that's that's me in a way. So I really, really felt connected with her in that specific moment. Just because you have scars on your fucking face doesn't make you lesser than anybody else walking down the street. Yeah. I don't think that the writers gave Polly enough in this movie. She's the one character that I wish they would have expanded on a little bit more. So now we're in another psychology session, and this is an interesting psychology session. So what we're seeing with Susanna is she's starting to take on Lisa's personality traits because she's starting to be abrasive and aggressive and she's starting to be a smartass and she's not interested. She's starting to emulate Lisa. So here we go, Psychology 101. Not that I'm a psychologist, but this is just for me. Uh, When we admire someone, we sometimes tend to take on uh, take tend to take on who who they are kind of onto us without even realizing it, especially if they have traits that we wish we had. So we start actually becoming that person because we admire them so much. And this is what is happening with Susanna because Lisa is the complete opposite. Lisa stands up for herself. Lisa um, has... Um, boundaries with people that's not something that Susanna does so she's gone oh my god this woman this is who Susanna thinks she wants to be so she starts trying to take on but what happens is when you take on other people's personality traits it doesn't work because they're not your own and you end up looking like you have kind of split personality so when she does that she she's emulating her and we can see Lisa's kind of gotten into her not on purpose but she wants to be Lisa she's trying to be Lisa but it just doesn't work so as she leaves the psychology office she passes Lisa in the hallway and Lisa goes into the the session because she's the next person up for the session that's important but uh that was that and I thought that that was a really amazing character development for Susanna in showing uh her personality change and why this is the second scene in a row that I tremendously related to because, like Dean just said, when you meet a, when you meet a certain person, you can project their traits onto yourself because you want them so much and because you think that you want to be like them. But here's the thing. The truth is you don't want to be like them. You want to have the self-confidence that they have. You want you want to approach the world the way they do, but graphing, grafting their emotional traits onto you is not going to work hmm. because you need to come into your own power. You need to stand up on your own two fucking feet. Yeah. I really like the scene to see Susanna starting to act hmm. like Angelina Jolie's character. I was like, honey, why are you? Oh, so the next scene is Susanna. We've got a voice, another voiceover, and she's basically saying Lisa never came back after her visit to the psychologist. So they've moved Lisa to another ward because they could see the effect it was having on Susanna. So they're like, no, they get her out. So what, what, what happens when someone you have unhealthily attached yourself to goes away? Exactly oh, how the sucks. movie portrays. <laughs> Susanna goes into a deep depression because she has attachment issues. And Valerie comes in and she's like, what the fuck? You can't hack it without Lisa. Like what the, what the hell is going on? So she grabs her. I don't know. Listen, I don't know how either strong Whoopi Goldberg is or light Winona Ryder is, but Whoopi Goldberg just comes in and just lifts, lifts Winona Ryder up, (laughs) carries her out of the room 
and no, dumped her. No, can do that. Yeah, dumps her into because, a cold bath. Because I love Winona Ryder, but Winona Ryder is a stick. Yeah, she, she can pick, pick her up. Get out of yeah. here. So Susanna's in this cold water. She demands to know where Lisa is. Where the fuck is Lisa? Where is she? Because that's what, when you have attachment issues, you go crazy because that one thing in your life that was making you happy is if that is taken away, it. I don't care who the fuck you are, you won't be able to handle it. If it's unhealthy attachment issues, which is what she had with Lisa. And so she starts adding acting. She starts actually acting crazy, erratic. She starts saying weird shit. Uh, you, you know, the only thing that made this place bearable was her and it was taken from her. So Susanna is going off the fucking rails. And the reason she's doing with this is because it's a coping mechanism. When something you love is taken away, everybody has a coping mechanism. And she thinks, well, I'm in the nut house anyway. I'll just fucking act crazy. And Valerie is sitting there like, this is not you. You are not crazy. And then Susanna just starts saying like the horrible, the, the worst things to her, like just trying to reinforce that she is crazy because she can't cope without Lisa. And again, it's a it's a wonderful character development for Susanna and we know exactly why she's acting that way. Her happiness has been taken away and she doesn't know what to do. So I, I love that scene. I love the way that Renona Ryder played this scene. I loved how disrespectful she was to Whoopi Goldberg's character. And I love the fact that Whoopi Goldberg did not say said that you're not crazy. You're just a spoiled little brat mm. who needs to figure some shit out. Yeah. Yep. And she also, Whoopi Goldberg was like the first person to say to Susanna, I feel she was the first person to really help her out. I mean, look, the psychiatrist guy who is a, a dick, I think helps her out, but Whoopi, Whoopi's character is the first character that really gives her, uh, uh, a, a hard dose of reality and really says, I believe in you. Yeah. Yeah. In ways that the other people haven't so far. Yeah. Am I off the mark with that or am no. I crazy? No, that's true. No, that's true. Lisa sneaks into Susanna's room and she said, how did she get, she's Lisa. So <laughs> okay. do you want, do you want to escape? Because she just can't stay here, Jamie. And Susanna looks at her. She's like, I'm Susanna. So right there, you know, fucking this least there's something wrong. She's calling her Jamie. There's something wrong in her head, but Susanna goes anyway, because she doesn't want to be there anymore. At this point, I was really thinking, is she really crazy or is she like, I, I, it's funny because I went through a myriad of emotions with, um, with Angelina, with Angelina Jolie's character in this movie. Mm. I hated her. Mm. I thought I understood her. And then I'm like, I don't understand this woman. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then at the end I was like, Oh fuck. And then I was like, Oh, it's, it's crazy. So Lisa says she has Daisy's address. So let's go there because she, she's Lisa saw on TV that Disney world is getting made in Florida. And she's like, I could be Cinderella. You can be snow white. Let's just go work there. She's, this is her plan. So she goes, we're going to go stay with Daisy and then we're going to go to Florida and we're going to work at Disneyland. And so they head there and they get to Daisy's apartment and they knock on the door and Susanna says, look, this it's Susanna and I have Valium. And so Daisy's like, okay. She doesn't know that Lisa's there, but she opens the door and then Lisa kind of barges in and you know, she's, she's, she's happy. She's got a home. She's got a home now. Like it's nice. It's hers. But Lisa keeps nitpicking. She's like, you don't have a bathtub. You only have mustard in the fridge. And it's just like, 
oh my god, somebody's showing you hospitality and all you can do is fucking nitpick. And then and this is this is what sets Lisa off. Again, the writing is so A grade in this. Uh, Daisy says, what are your plans? And Lisa says, we're going to Disneyland. I'm going to be Cinderella. Susanna's going to be Snow White. And you can be this cocker spaniel that eats the spaghetti. <laughs> right. <laughs> so she's saying it to get a rise out of her, but Daisy doesn't give in. And then Lisa says, you know, I want pancakes in the morning. And Daisy goes, well, I don't have pancakes, but there's a market on the corner. You can go get some. And then Daisy says, do you have money or even a plan? When you get to Disneyland and Le- Angelina Jolie is so amazing. Lisa just stares her down. Like, how dare you ask me? What are you trying to do? Like, and you can see her sociopathic behavior kicking in and she stares her down. She's pissed off and Daisy knows she has no plan. And then she pulls money out of her robes pocket and puts it on the table for the, she goes, this is for the pancakes in the morning. And she gives, she smirks at Lisa. And it's it's like she's saying, I've got more than you. She's trying to get one up on Lisa. And Lisa doesn't like this because she's like, Lisa understands what Daisy's trying to do. She's trying to say, I'm better than you. And someone doing that to someone that has sociopathic tendencies is not great because then Lisa, basically Daisy says, I don't want to be disturbed in the morning because I like to sleep in. And Lisa pulls back Daisy's sleeves on her robe and she's got all these cut marks. And she says, does daddy know you cut your wrists? And she says, my daddy loves me. And then she's, and then Lisa says, I bet with every inch of his manhood. And you're just like, what? Wait, where did that come from? Because we didn't know anything about that. And then, and I'm going to read this out because I thought this dialogue was just so cruel but so essential to where the movie goes. So Lisa wants to get one up on Daisy. She wants to, what is the one thing that she can pull out that's going to make Daisy feel like an absolute piece of shit? This is what she says. Because she says, I was released. I'm better. And Lisa says, they didn't release you because you're better. They just gave up. You call this a life? Taking daddy's money, buying your dollies and your knickknacks and eating his fucking chicken, fattening up like a prize fucking heifer. You change the scenery, but not the fucking situation. And the warden makes house calls. And everybody knows, everybody knows that he fucks you. What they don't know is that you like it. And that's when you're sitting there and you're just like, oh, what? Oh, my God. And Daisy just looks at her. And she doesn't even even say no. She doesn't defend herself. And right there and then you go, oh, my God, Lisa's right. Lisa is right. And all the blood drains out of your face because you're like, oh my God. And then Daisy just says, I'll see you in the morning. And then she just walks up. Lisa's smiling because ah, I won. I got one up on her. She has no concept of what she's just done. And it's just uh, a lot. (laughs) It's a lot. But anyway, that was that scene. Yeah, that scene is... Um, I have said that Lisa is my, like, I detest her as a character in this film, but the way that Angelina Jolie plays the scene and the way that she shows her psychopathic tendencies kicking in and the speech that Dean just read is so fat, is so fucking right down to the screws. Perfect. Everything that she says 
has a purpose and she knows that these words are going to cut deep and these words are going to basically shatter the other person's confidence. Yep. And what it does to her is just unbelievably, un- it's unbelievably tragic, which Dean will get to in a second, but it's just, it, it was, what happens next is the, is the turning point for uh, Winona Ryder's character in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's the point where she goes, I need to make a change and I need to make it now. Yep. This is the, arc. but uh, yeah, but again, the, the speech, the acting, the dialogue in this one scene. And the fact that Winona Ryder's character doesn't do fucking shit. Yeah. Is also fucking frustrating. Yep. But that actually comes back into play in just a few moments. And I will let Dean get to that. So in the morning, Susanna wakes up. Lisa's sitting at the table being an idiot. And she, oh no, Lisa's asleep. Sorry. So she wakes up in the morning. She goes for a walk. She's just, just to clear her head. She's just going for a walk and she returns. And Lisa is awake. This is when she's sitting at the kitchen table with stupid glasses on being an idiot. And there's a song that's playing from upstairs on repeat. And she go and Susanna says, has Daisy come down yet? And Lisa goes, no, she hasn't, but she's been playing that shit all morning. So Susanna creeps up the stairs and goes in her bedroom. Nothing's there. And then she finds that the record player is just on repeat. So nobody's actually pressing play. It's just on repeat. And you can see on Winona Ryder's face, something is wrong. So she creeps up to the bathroom and she pushes the door and um, Susanna or Winona Ryder's reaction is exactly what it should be when she sees Daisy has committed suicide. She's slit her wrists and she's hung herself in the bathroom. And you don't see the full, the, the, you don't see it until we see Susanna's reaction. And it's, it, it's, she's beside herself. And then, and then Lisa comes upstairs and she goes, she just looks at Daisy hanging. She's like, oh, what an idiot. Like there's no feeling. There's there's no compassion. She doesn't, there's nothing. And then Susanna is just on the floor crying. She calls an ambulance. And then Lisa says, make it a hearse. Like she's, what? Like this is when, this is when Susanna finally realizes, oh my God, Lisa's psycho. Like she's a sociopath. She has no feel. This is when she realizes it. Before she let it go because she kind of had attachment issues, but she can't, she can't, um, you know, deny what Lisa is doing. And then Lisa walks past, she walks up to Daisy and then fishes in Daisy's pockets and takes her money. And Susanna is like, what are you doing? She's just, and she's like, well, she's not going to need it. And it's like, what the fuck? And she's like, um, come on, we're going to go. And Susanna's like, I am not going anywhere with you. And Lisa's like, well, fuck you then. I'm going to go. Like no concept. And Susanna is just on the floor sobbing like what is happening because her her just in that moment her entire world has fallen down. Her arc has happened. She's fi- she's found out what her best friends really like and she's just a, a a puddle of mud basically on the floor emotionally wise and it was a really strong scene, I think. I love the way that James Mangold directed this scene because when 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 Winona Ryder comes back 
and she goes up the stairs and she first goes into the bedroom where she sees the record player just playing on repeat. I love uh, uh, James's decision to show the color going out of Winona Ryder's face. Mm. And as she, as she walks down the stairs, as she walks towards the bathroom, the cat mm. uh, is in front of the bathroom. And Winona Ryder plays it so well, she's kind of hesitant. And again, all the color in her face is just dropping, dropping, dropping. And when she opens the door, the fact that James holds on Winona Ryder's face for however long is so perfect. Because most directors, as soon as Winona, as soon as Winona Ryder would open the door, would cut to the shocking thing. But James understood that it's all about Winona's character in this moment. And the way that we can get the power of the scene is by letting Winona show us that she is a fucking great actor. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he just does that because you are terrified, not because of what you don't see, but you are terrified because of the look on Winona Ryder's face. Yeah. She yep. is falling apart. So, number one, you are falling apart because of Winona Ryder. But the other thing, the other thing that uh, James Mangold does really, really well is I don't think he turns the camera around and you don't see the girl hanging until Lisa comes up the stairs, right? Yep. yep. If I'm not mistaken. Yep. So, so the one time that he shows you the horror is when the villain comes up the stairs. Yep. And I'm like, that is perfect storytelling. I also found it really interesting that when the body was being taken out of the house. Mm. The guy that shows up is a psychiatrist. Yeah. And, and not look her how, father. Yeah. Yeah. And do you see how bad he felt? Because he was the one that released yeah. her. Yeah. He should just quit. You know what? I know, no, but also, also, I was thinking all throughout this movie, I was thinking this guy fucking sucks. He sucks. He's crap. Because, because I felt that he wanted, I felt that he wanted to keep the patient there. Yep. I felt that he I felt that he didn't care about the patients. Yeah. Because yeah. if he cared about them, if he cared about them, he would really help them. But in one session, Susanna is pouring her heart out to this mm. guy and he's fucking sleeping. Oh, that's right. <laughs> she's asleep. I'm like I'm like, what kind of a fucking professional are you? But Idiot. also on the way back to the hospital, mm. uh James Mangold does a really quick scene of them drive back to the hospital. Mm. And yep. while they're driving back. Winona is is obviously beside herself. Mm. She looks over to the guy, and he's obviously shattered. Yeah. But I love the I, I love the fact that they don't say anything at that moment. That just that they sit. Yep. In their collective grief. Yep. Yep. And That's I, great. I also I, I also like that when they get to the hospital, he lets Winona keep the cat, and he mm. says, "You might want to get a litter box." Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So this is, I mean, this is Winona's arc. She should have talked to she Daisy, made it better. But she did nothing because in her life she doesn't stand up, she does nothing. So she's realized by doing nothing that's worse than than what she thinks is going to be the consequences for actually doing something. That's much worse. It's better, yeah, it's better for you to do something and then to have it all fall apart as a result of you trying to do something yeah. than standing there and, and doing nothing and having everything fall apart exactly. anyway. Exactly, exactly. And I love this dialogue that she says to Valerie. She says, 
She doesn't know what it's like. She says, this is what I would have said to Daisy. I don't know what it's like to be you, but I do know what it's like to want to die, how it hurts to smile, how you try to fit in but you can't, to hurt yourself on the outside to try and kill the thing on the inside. Fuck. Like, I'm getting chills. This moment. Yeah. With Winona, with Winona Ryder in the bed, the speech that she gives to Whoopi Goldberg, the thing that captured for me was not the speech. Mm. I, I No, don't get me wrong. The speech was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Mm. But James Mangold's slow push into Winona's face and the tears, the blood, I'm like... Yeah. This is fucking. I, it it was such a good shot. I wanted to get a printout of it and put it up on my wall. Yeah, I was like, this shot is. I mean, oh my god, the way that the the way that Whoopi Goldberg just comes into the room and just stays outside of the room and she doesn't come in. Mm. I was like, oh, so perfect. So she's basically breaking down. She realizes at this moment that she's actually sick, and I love this narration. I'm going to read it out. Because I think it's just it just encompasses so much in so little. She says, when you don't want to feel, death can seem like a dream. But seeing death, really seeing it, makes dreaming about it fucking ridiculous. And there's the arc. Because the whole movie, she didn't give a shit about death. She thought it was she was flippant about it. She was lighthearted. But when confronted with it, because she'd never been confronted with it before, she just went, I don't want any part of that. And it snapped her out of any delusion that she was in and I just thought I've never seen a character arc so written so perfectly in a movie. Yeah, no. Um, the fact that Winona Ryder's character uh, had to see death up close and personal to understand that death is no laughing matter and it's a situation that she didn't want to be a part of really, really makes sense. Also, I definitely agree with you. This is one of the best, this is one of the best written movies that i feel that we've talked about yeah yeah because ev because everything that everything that james mangold and his co-writers set out in this movie they set everything up and they pay it off in a satisfying and an emotional way this movie yeah. is a perfect circle yeah it just works yeah. And it's not over yet. We still have no. something to talk about. <laughs> no, there's more stuff. So Susanna's looking out the window. She sees Lisa getting out of a police car. So they've caught her. They bring her in and she looks drugged out of her fucking mind. And they put her in isolation. And Winona goes to, or Susanna goes to the isolation because there's a little like window slit. And she says, look, they're letting me out. And Lisa's like, oh, no, that's great. Like she seems sincere about what she's saying, but later on we'll find out that she's not. <laughs> but Susanna's like, hey, yeah, well, I'm going, I'm going. So that's that scene. That's a little scene, but it needed to be put in there. What do you think? I really love this scene for just one reason. When Susanna tells Lisa that she's getting out and Susanna goes, oh, that's great. I love when Susanna walks away. Mm. James Mangold does a small push into the slit. Yeah. And Angelina Jolie's look on her face, I'm like, holy shit, there's a psychopath. I'm like, oh, I, at that mm. at that moment, I was like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. Don't kill her. Don't kill her. Please don't kill her. Yeah. Because not only does Susanna have attachment issues, Lisa does too. And so yeah, it's like, also, you're not going to take her away. She's pissed. She's like, she's not getting, you're not getting out. You're my friend. So Susanna's in her room and she comes out. She sees one of the patients talking to Lisa through 
the door, like through the, what is it, the bottom of the door? The slit. The slit. Yeah. And you can't hear what they're saying. And then a while later that patient is being put in a straitjacket and hauled away and she's kicking and she's screaming and Susanna just looks down the hallway to the isolation room where Lisa was and she's just like, what the fuck did Lisa say to make this patient go insane? So you can tell that Lisa just does things just to do things. Like she just fucks with people just to fuck with people. <laughs> and and we're not, and Susanna is seeing it. Now she's seeing it before she didn't see it. Now she's going, oh, my God, she just does things just to fuck people up. Yeah, no. Uh, the, the fact that Susanna is now seeing uh, Lisa's comeuppance and Lisa's shit-kicking and the way that she does her man- does her manipulation to the people that she wants to is just wonderful because now um, uh, Susanna is at her breaking point and she wants to sort of confront Lisa face-to-face, but as an audience member watching this movie in preparation for this conversation, I felt truly, truly uh, 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 worried for Susanna's character, uh, for Susanna, because I really felt that Lisa was going to kill her. Yeah, you just have this feeling that Lisa's going to do something, but she's in isolation, isolation, so actually what can she do? But this is the scene. So this is kind of the climax of the movie. Susanna wakes up in the middle of the night, and she can hear Georgina's not there. And she can hear like murmurs. Doesn't doesn't can't hear who it is, just murmurs. And she gets up, she goes into the hallway, and she sees the isolation door open. So Lisa's out. It's like it's like the Velociraptor getting out, right? Lisa's out. And it's like, where the fuck is she? Who's she with? What's going on? Is she gonna attack me? That's what it feels like, because Lisa is so unhinged. So she starts hearing voices from the tunnels where the um bowling alley is. She goes down and she finds that Lisa has stolen her journal and is reading it out loud in front of all the other patients and she's laughing about it. And you're just like, as someone that has a journal, fuck that. These are your private thoughts. They are not meant to be read by anybody but you. This is how you feel at the time. And Lisa is just, she's just, she's pissed that that Susanna is getting out. So she she doesn't want to be alone again, so she lashes out. And she's just reading all this shit out loud, like, oh, you think I'm crazy? And, oh, you think Georgina's never going to get out and she's just a pathological liar and blah, all this shit. And you're just like, oh, my. And, and when I write, just fucking going, you know, give it back, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just, it's crazy because how are you going to get, you, you can't snatch your journal out of her hands because it's like, Lisa, she'll fucking deck you one, I guess. And then Susanna starts running because Susanna's fucking scared. She starts running through the tunnels. Lisa starts chasing her, verbally abusing her and beating her down. And she corners Winona and Winona, uh, Susanna, Susanna cannot run anymore. And she just keeps, Lisa keeps just throwing all this verbal shit at her, like you're nothing and blah, blah, blah. You know, and then Susanna turns around and she says, the reason people don't like you is because you're dead already. And Lisa just stops and just says nothing. And it's like, oh, my God, Susanna has said something to make Lisa shut the fuck up. And she's told her the truth. She says, nobody cares about you because you're dead already. Nobody gives a shit about you. And Lisa's just has this tears roll down. She's just, Susanna's turned the tables on Lisa and Lisa has tears coming down her face. And she has, Lisa has like a syringe. We don't know what's in it, but she goes to inject herself. And Georgina goes, no, Lisa, please don't do this. 
and Lisa just drops the the syringe and just breaks down. And this is the opening scene of the movie. Lisa's breaking down on the floor because somebody's stood up to her. Somebody's told her something because everybody's always so submissive around her and finally someone said something that's triggered her. And they're all just sitting in the tunnels and they kind of don't know what to do. Lisa's broken down. Susanna's sitting there like, what the fuck do I do now? But, yeah, that's kind of the climax of the movie. I thought it was great. Susanna is actually, um, at the beginning of the movie, Susanna is actually cradling Lisa in her in her lap. Yes. Yes. Um, and I really love that when James Mangold shows the scene again and he shows Lisa breaking down, he cuts it early. Yeah. Because he knew that he already showed that at the beginning. Yep. I love this scene because this is the moment where where Lisa, uh, Winona Ryder's character, see, it's not bad to call her Winona Ryder. Susanna. Susanna, uh, because, <laughs> Susanna thank you. I, I really love this moment because Susanna is basically, like Dean said, put into a corner and she is being verbally, verbally, verbally abused and physically abused mm. six ways to Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I love it when she says, when she turns around and she screams, the reason why is because you're dead inside. And at that point, when I was watching this movie today, I stood up again and I said, you go girl. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I, I love that moment because Susanna is the first one to be brave enough to turn the tables on Lisa and to tell her, the reason why she is the way that she is is because she is truly, truly broken and she has never wanted to face it. Yeah. And when she does face it, what happens? She falls to bloody pieces. But the question yeah. is now, will the sociopath have enough inner strength within herself to fix herself? Yeah. Or not? Yeah. Is she going to... Is she gonna? Is she going to forget all of this and go back to her normal behavior, or is she going to really make a change? And that's the question that I don't think James Mangold and his writers answer. And I'm kind of happy that they don't. That they leave yeah. it. That that they leave it up in the air for the audience to answer. As as an individual that doesn't like loose ends. Yeah. I feel that what they did with Lisa is a loose end because before uh, um, Susanna leaves the hospital, uh, she has one more interaction with Lisa where she's tied up on the bed. And Lisa says, Lisa says, I think she says, uh, I I am, I am broken. Right. I think. No, she, uh, she says, I'm not dead. I'm not dead. Right. I'm not dead. So just thank you very much. Just by that, that says to me that she's willing to make a change. Mm. The question is, do you think that she will? Or do you think that once Susanna is gone, she will uh, go back to her previous behavior? The problem I have with this is because because Lisa is clinically a sociopath, they can't be fixed. Sociopaths don't have empathy and they don't have compassion. You can't – it's not – a true sociopath, not someone that's just got traumas and that's just like acting like a dick – Someone that is a true sociopath or a true psychopath, um, they don't have the things that we have. They don't. There's missing connections that can't be 
they can't it doesn't matter how much they work on themselves they don't have it it's like serial killers that kill people they see people as as objects they don't see people as people it's same as lisa you can't change that in someone no matter how many pills or therapy sessions you have because it's unfixable it's a it's a brain thing so that didn't work for me because you actually i understand why they did it because you know lisa has an arc too that's fine but you can't change that it's a brain chemistry it's you can't do it so the fact that they're alluding to the fact that lisa's going to get better they can't get better it's a you're born you are literally born that way psychopaths sociopaths serial killers they are born that way they don't they can't stop even though they want to they can't it's like a it's a compulsion to do these things and they they don't see people as people so I liked what they did. I have no issue, but a real sociopath, they can't be fixed. It's you can't fix them. It is the way that okay. they, it is the way that it is. The next morning, Susanna visits Lisa who is strapped down to a bed and she's painting Lisa's nails and um Lisa has tears in her eyes and she, you know, I'm not dead and all that, which is fine. It's a nice scene. And then Susanna Susanna says goodbye to everybody and you know, she has this really good dialogue which I didn't write down, but she was basically like I left I did what I wanted to do. Um, you know, some people, you know, got better. Some people got out. I saw them. Some people I never saw again. But, um, you know, she says she's never going to forget her. She's never going to forget them. And I thought it was a really beautiful um, ending narration for Susanna. It was beautiful because she she got better and she got out. And, and yeah, it was great. Hey, I really love the ending scene, the ending narration with Renona Wise character, mm-hmm. because I really feel that Winona Ryder, um, her character really had a powerful arc in mm-hmm. this movie. Mm-hmm. And I really feel that in the car, that in the taxi ride home or wherever she was going, she really understood that she was, she, she was past this point in her life and she was ready to move forward and she was ready to become the person that she was meant to be. Uh, Dean, uh, would you like to go to your trivia? So Winona Ryder actually acquired the rights to the novel. She made, she wanted to get the movie made. She was the one. She spent seven years trying to get it made because nobody wanted to make it. Fucking Hollywood. This is Winona Ryder. This is like a known name and nobody would do it. But, uh, but also, Wow. I mean, you know, I, I mean, that really that really shows you what Hollywood thinks of original material. Mm, yeah. And, the, or, and this was or, and this was in or, the 90s when there actually was yeah. a lot of original material. Can you imagine trying to do it now? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, and now now, unless it was like a really, really small independent studio, like a A24 that's yeah. got some clout. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm sure I'm sure A24 would entertain a movie like this. but. But not too many studios would allow a movie like this to be made today. No, no, they wouldn't. This, this is, uh, this is the Angelina Jolie thing that I was talking about at the beginning, where I agreed with her. So, Angelina genuinely thought she was the only sane character in the movie because she just said that she thought that Lisa was just incredibly honest, and I guess that made her look crazy. And I was like, maybe that's why I like her character because she's honest. I mean, she says it in a shit way, but she, really, if you look back at everything that she does, she's just honest <laughs> and people hate her for it. You know, it's funny because I 
really agree with that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because at the end when she, think- was, when she was telling Daisy, like, oh, your dad has sex with you, like, but that's the truth. That's what that's what she means. Like, okay, Daisy killed herself, but it was the truth. That she didn't think that there was anything wrong with it. The thing the thing that I ask is what does Lisa get out of doing that? Does she just get does she get the satisfaction that she just proved to Daisy that she was being abused and that she wasn't acknowledging? Did she just want to hurt her or does she just want to make her acknowledge that she was having something horrible happen to her? Both. Don't know. Okay. Both end, right? Both end. Don't know. So Rose McGowan and Courtney Love auditioned for the role of Lisa. No. Maybe Courtney Love. Maybe. But yeah, but you know what? Listen, listen. Guys, I hated Lisa. I hated Lisa as a character, but I cannot imagine anybody else other than Angelina Jolie doing this. I can't. I agree. I agree. So Angelina in true method actor form, avoided all communication with Winona Ryder during filming. Of course she did. Of course she did. Claiming that if she saw anything human about Winona, she would not have been able to effectively act as Lisa. You know, God bless uh, Angelina Jolie and God bless and God bless method actors to a point. Good on her for being truly committed to the role and good on her for wanting to do the best job that she can. And, and, and the job that she did gave her an oscar it did yes but that's the end of my trivia so guys uh if you liked the show and you want to send us an email to tell us how awesome we are or if you want to suggest something for the future you can email us at the mixtape pod at aol.com or you can follow us on x at the mixtape podcast or you can uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash the mixtape podcast. Um, if you like us and you're going to come back for next week, next week we'll be talking about the 2023 film, The Pope's Exorcist. As I often say, if someone is ever kind enough to make you a mixtape, that must truly mean that they love you. The Mixtape Podcast is a Balloonhead Productions presentation.